0: What do you love about music? To begin with, (laughs) everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: And I'm Greg Kott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we've got a live performance and an interview with Robin
0: Hitchcock. And get this, he's backed up by Peter Buck and Scott McCoy of R.E.M. Plus, we'll hear your selections for the best albums of 2006 with a few reactions to our lists mixed in. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and it's time to welcome our latest
1: affiliate, KTOO, in Juneau, Alaska.
2: Good morning, Capital Records.
1: Hello, Capital Records. Uh, we're looking for Rob Cohen. This is he. Rob, you are the owner and proprietor of Capital Records. Is that not correct? This is true. How did you end up in Juneau, Alaska? Beautiful Juneau, Alaska, which is now broadcasting Sound Opinions, we're proud to say.
2: We are. We're happy in Juneau to have Sound Opinions on KTO radio. I ended up like most other folks who grew up in New Jersey or Chicago or Boston ended up here, just... Came up to visit to watch a friend uh, get married, and then ended up never leaving.
0: Fell in love with the place, huh? You bet. About twenty years ago. But but you know, usually, Rob, when we when we welcome a new affiliate, we uh, play something from from their area and kind of welcome them on board. We are at a, at a disadvantage. There are not a lot of great. Alaskan rock bands that we've been able to pay tribute At to. At least that we've heard of. That uh, we, have, we may be completely wrong about I that. That's why we figured we'd call you and find out a couple of things. You know, what's going on locally in the scene there, and also just what Alaska music lovers are buying.
2: I can help you with that. Okay. Uh, we've, you know, there might not be a whole lot of Alaskan artists that have uh, national fame, but we've got lots and lots of regional artists who've uh, been making discs uh, both here in Juneau and uh, also from, you know... Outlying areas in Southeast Alaska and up in uh, Anchorage, uh, Fairbanks, etc. The most of the stuff we carry in terms of regional artists tends to be in the sort of country folk, bluegrass category. That's what uh, the iconoclasts up here tend to tend to lean toward. And there's some really, you know, wonderful instrumentalists up here, great singer-songwriters. Some of them have their stuff on CD, baby, and a lot of them are just on the DIY uh, train, hmm. producing it themselves and Contacting local record stores one by one And just getting them there on the shelves What
0: would Mm -hmm. you say the biggest seller in 2006 Locally, Alaska Music was for Capitol Records?
2: Probably uh, My main man, Mr. Buddy Tabor Uh, House painter by day uh, Troubadour by night uh, Gravelly voice Teller of tales Uh, He's actually got about five or six albums out And uh, a Google search will bring him up With some sound clips He's well worth checking out
0: Alright, we're going to hear some of that That's cool
3: The Mr. Basketball Shoes owns a factory in China and
4: Vietnam Where a 12-year-old girl works for nothing, he don't give a damn Sixteen hours a day, seven days a week And when they break her malnourished body, they just throw her out in the street And if the workers try to unionize her, tell them they protest. Basketball shoes Calls the military And they come out And make arrests
0: Do you know Is, is population 30,000? 30, so About 30,000 It ain't like Chicago Are, are exactly. you the only Mom and pop record store In town?
2: We are the only Mom and pop, yes
0: Okay So what were your Big sellers in 2006?
2: We've sold a lot Of Gnarls Barkley This year <laughs> A lot of Rock and Tours You know The New Dillon The Springsteen You take a look At the top 40 uh, Lists And, you know, we have our share of customers who rely on us for that stuff as well as the deep, dark nether regions of uh, of recorded music out there.
1: What are you putting on first thing in the morning uh, these days when you get into the Uh, store?
2: These days I'm putting on the new Loud Family Anton Barbeau CD, uh, Uh, just a nice piece of um, Southern California power pop. That one's called What If It Works? Yeah. Otherwise, um, uh, Magma happens to be a favorite around here of late.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Don't to play
2: otherwise. The French uh,
0: progressive rock band from the 70s?
2: my uh, I've, I've turned my guys on to Magma and Gentle Giant recently. They're <laughs> yes. Totally in love with uh, Gentle Giant's playing the
0: floor. Otherwise... I played I played Gentle Giant just a couple of weeks ago on this show, and they're still getting crap from my peers here. Now, now this is why we're big in Alaska, guys. We're out, out in Alaska because they heard me play Gentle Giant.
1: They understand Jim D. and in June. Yes. Thank God somebody does.
0: What's the lowest temperature it gets in the winter?
2: It's not really so bad. If it hits five degrees, then that's uh, then that's particularly cold. I'd say. Not, I'm just saying
0: something. You know, if my choice is to like stay home in my PJs and download a piece of music, or you know, it's worth it for me to go to Capitol Records because Rob's going to take care of me. I mean, that's saying something when you get somebody to come out in five degree weather.
2: I would say, and we do. You know, they're bundled up from head to toe like the Michelin Man for sure. But uh, <laughs> there you yeah, we are yeah. we are most proud of our customers who. Uh, trudge in, in in the worst of weather
1: and,
0: and say give me that Timberlake recognize. I want that Fergie CD give it to me now
1: and we're most proud to be uh, on in Juneau Alaska at KTOO and uh, glad to talk to you Rob thanks for taking time out to uh, speak to Sound Opinions
2: appreciate the call thanks for we're all. coming
1: by when we're in town
5: I expect you to
1: alright <laughs> take care take care yeah, Rob
4: well on the way time cool I wanna be keeping you
1: warm I got the right temperature for shelter you from the storm Takes to turn
4: you on and girl, I wanna be the papa, you can be the mom.
0: Oh, that's a little bit of Sean Paul's Temperature, which was the fourth best-selling digital track of 2006. Greg, we have not covered Sean Paul. We have to at some point. (laughs) Uh, The reason we're playing that track is we want to take a look at the temperature of the music industry. The year-end numbers are in for 2006 from Nielsen SoundScan, which is the most credible uh, organization measuring sales of albums online and in the record stores.
1: Now, Jim, if you believe the music industry, they've been in this terrible, terrible slump for the last six, seven years, primarily blaming digital downloading. The sky is falling. Yes. The internet is killing the music industry. Well, these numbers, uh, SoundScan numbers, prove them wrong. For the second year in a row, overall music purchases were over 1 billion. More people in history buying more music than ever for the second year in a row. We're going to talk to a couple of music industry experts who look behind these numbers and tell us what the real story is. Let's talk to Chris Mirator, the Vice President of Retail Relations and Research Services at uh, Nielsen SoundScan.
0: Chris, welcome to the show.
6: Hi, thank you.
0: You're one of our heroes, Chris, because one of the only objective ways to measure pop music is with the numbers, and you guys do a great job of keeping track of what people are actually buying.
6: We have been, since 1991, as you know, been tracking uh, music sales from over 90% of
0: all retail outlets uh, across the United States. We're looking at the key number here, the overall music sales. In 2005, it was $1 billion 3 million. In 2006, they're 1,198,000,000. That's up 19.4%. That would seem to be pretty good news for any industry.
6: The big portion of that increase is due to the increase in uh, individual purchases of digital track sales through your digital services like iTunes, Napster, Rhapsody, um, eMusic, all of those services.
0: SoundScan started out by every point-of-sale purchase of a piece of of music uh, was being measured at the cash register. Correct. Okay, and so now the same sort of coding in a digital music file enables you to measure what's being bought online.
3: Exactly. It's the
0: same
6: sort of, instead of a UPC, we're now using an ISRC uh, for an individual track that's being downloaded.
1: What's interesting here on on these charts, uh, compiling the uh, music purchases for 2006, uh, total album sales are down... Uh, again for the 7th year in a row i believe nearly 5% and yet overall music sales are way up 19.4% mm-hmm. what percentage of the overall market do digital sales now represent and how has that increased over the years
6: you're looking at digital represents digital purchases represent about 12% of all more well, like 13% of all um, album purchases.
1: Hmm. So that's, that's going up. I mean, that's a significant increase over previous years. I would yes.
6: Imagine. Last year, it was only about 6%. Wow. So, is, so that,
1: is that the key difference here? Is that why the overall sales are up 19% yes. even though album sales are down, the total mm-hmm. sales are up? What is, it, is it primarily that digital market that it's is accounting mainly for that, that difference?
6: It's that digital marketplace that, that is driving that increase of overall music purchases. Digital track sales were up sixty five percent over two thousand five. You were at five hundred eighty two million versus three hundred fifty three million in two thousand five.
1: So, so, so the music industry has nothing to cry about. It sounds like to me, Chris.
6: I believe that the industry still is very is very healthy. Um, I think we're seeing a little change in configuration. You know, we went from cassette to CD. Mm -hmm. Um, You you saw a change in in how sales were happening, where consumers and how consumers were buying music. I think now we're starting to see a little, that sort of change from CD to now digital.
1: The overall market is now 12% digital sales. Do you anticipate a point where we're going to get to where it's 50%, 75% of the market? And how soon do you think the industry will get there where the majority of its sales are coming from digital sales?
6: I think we're still a a little ways away. I mean, you've got to look at physical CD purchases this year. There were still 588 million individual CDs purchased this year. Wow. So compared to 32 million digital album sales. And what's interesting on the report that we have for digital music, you can see that the growth in digital album sales is even stronger among catalog product.
4: Hmm. Wow, so
6: the more we look at this, I'm wondering is if people now who are buying digital albums are they now replacing their CD collections with digital with the older digital albums that they had on their CDs or their cassettes? You know, just how CDs were were thriving through the years, going you know through the 90s, people were replacing their cassettes with CDs. Right. Catalog albums, and just looking at digital album sales last year, catalog albums were up 109 percent.
0: Mm. Current
6: albums were
0: up 90%. Chris Mirator is the Vice President of Retail Relations and Research Services at Nielsen Music, or as we like to think, the music industry numbers guy.
6: (laughs) Numbers guy,
7: right. (laughs)
0: Thank you so
1: much, Chris. (laughs) Thank you. We're now going to go to Jeff Mayfield, the uh, Director of Charts and the
0: Senior Analyst at Billboard Magazine. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're trying to make sense of how in uh, in 2006, overall music sales were up 19.4%. But the album sales are down almost 5%.
7: You have a new distribution channel that, that, grow, uh, that grows robustly from year to year, and that's digital distribution. And a bulk of what's being sold there are individual tracks. So that's not going to, to reflect in your album volume. A large part of what's happening in digital distribution, uh, people aren't downloading whole albums as often as they are downloading entire songs. So that increase yeah. in transactions.
1: So they're selling smaller bites of music. I mean, the the units sold are, are are up, but dollar wise, what is this meaning for the industry, Jeff? Have you got a handle on that?
7: <laughs> if I had a handle on that,
1: Billboard probably <laughs> couldn't afford me. Yeah, uh,
7: you know that's that's the puzzle that all the record companies are going to have to figure out. Is that for decades they have uh, made their bread and butter uh, from album purchases, and and. You know, that's making dollars from dollars. And now, with with more and more uh, variety available a la carte through digital distribution, uh, they were likely going to have to figure out how to make dollars from pennies. You're talking about companies that were built. Their brick and mortar was built on selling albums. And that's been true for decades.
0: Selling albums and, and then not, not, not paying Robert Johnson.
7: <laughs> and we've had declines on album sales in five of the past six years. Mm -hmm. Now, the decline in album sales this year was only 5%, and I I actually think that's pretty healthy compared to some of the uh, declines that we've seen since 2000.
0: All right, so there's no way in hell we have to hold a telethon to raise money for Jimmy Iovine and Tommy Mottola.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, uh, Jimmy. No, um, you know, maybe mid-level management. Look, there's there's significant change. You know, there's yeah. there's been thousands and thousands of jobs that have been lost in this industry, and um, uh, so uh, yeah, the people at the very top, they're probably okay, but you know, yeah, they're they're still they're still coming to grips, and uh, so far, the first changes that you see are more structural. There's fewer. Uh, major record companies now than there were a few years ago. Uh, But that's just part of what you do. There's other ways that that the economics of a record company need to be re-examined.
1: Cool. Jeff, uh, thanks a lot for the uh, insight. We appreciate it. Jeff Mayfield, the uh, Director of Charts and Senior Analyst at Billboard Magazine. Thank you very much, Jeff.
7: Thank you, guys.
0: That's a little bit of R.E.M.'s sitting still from their first album, Murmur. 25 years ago came out, Greg, which means they were eligible and, in fact, will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in a couple of months. Let me first tell you who's getting in this year. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, one of the first hip-hop groups to go into the hall. R.E.M., the Renettes, Patti Smith, and Van Halen. Choices that
1: would seem somewhat obvious. I think the real question marks surrounding this ballot are not so much who got in, but who's going to show up on stage when these guys do their <laughs> infamous jam session at the end of the ceremony. So a lot because of people are asking about REM will yeah. Bill Berry. Actually, show up and play drums with R.E.M., which he hasn't done in you know a number of years. You know, except for the occasional one-off performance.
0: I mean, given that it's aired on VH1 after the inductions at the Waldorf Historia, which yeah. I must repeat, as I do every year, is the least rock and roll place in the <laughs> world. And you pay a couple of hundred dollars, and you dress up in a monkey suit tuxedo, and you yeah. go. To, I mean, you know how unrock and roll is that. But but it's become who's going to get back together when we give you this prize well, and, and the van halen reunion is the big chat here you know you have
1: a uh, a band with at least three lead singers in its history three right distinct eras and and certainly two who the fans consistently battle over who's the better one sammy hagar or david lee
0: roth well it's not van halen without gary Sharon. I, well, see, that's the thing. Is Gary Sharon going to get invited to the, uh, the whole well, and thing? And now Michael Anthony, the bass player, is out, and isn't Alex's kid, or or is it Eddie? Eddie's kid is playing bass. Or, you know, who cares? Yeah, who's going to show up
1: on that stage? And I and I have an issue with Van Halen getting inducted as a band. I think Eddie Van Halen is certainly one of the most important guitarists in rock history, but as a band, I would say their music has been pretty negligible. Not nearly as influential as one of the bands that got left off the final list, which I voted for, Chic. A lot of people think, well, disco-era band, you know, and disco... disco... Disco in itself has a hard time getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I think is a a travesty. But I think Chic being one of the most important bands of that era and incredibly influential, much more influential than Van Halen and many of the other bands on the list of people who got in. Between Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards, uh, writing some of the most uh, important songs of that era and for the bass line alone on Good Times. (laughs) I mean, how many times has that been sampled? We talked about this with James Brown. It's true. And you'll hear that bass line again and again. The Sugar Hill Gang's uh, Rappers Delight, the first major hit rap song. Another one bites the dust, major hit song from <laughs> Queen. Okay, a few years later, here's a rock group appropriating a disco song bass And then you've got In Deep with uh, Last Night at DJ Saved My Life. I mean, one of the yeah. great dance songs of the uh, early
0: mid-80s. All taking this classic bass line from Bernard Edwards. Eligible for several years, not being inducted, The Stooges. And that's inexplicable to me because The Stooges are actually, they were in Chicago a couple of weeks ago making a reunion album, Iggy Pop and the band that are considered one of the founders of punk rock, Kraftwerk has been eligible for years now. They have not been inducted. The German group that pretty much laid the foundation. Actually, if you put Kraftwerk and chic together, yeah. you have all of the electronic dance music Absolutely. of the last 25 years. Absolutely. You know, this is really important stuff, and yet they don't get acknowledged.
1: We'll be back in a moment on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and we'll have an interview and a live performance from Robin Hitchcock, Scott McCoy, and future Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Peter Buck. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. My partner is Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. And a few weeks back, we got a visit from Robin Hitchcock, who is on tour with uh,
0: two members of R.E.M., Scott McCoy and Peter Buck. If you don't know who Robin Hitchcock is, I, I kind of feel sorry for you. But uh, <laughs> he's one of our favorite artists, Greg, I think it's safe to say. Uh, started out in the 70s with the soft boys in the punk era, doing something very different, psychedelic pop. In the 80s, the college rock era with the Egyptians. For years now, as a solo troubadour, our generations crossed between Bob Dylan and Sid Barrett.
4: <laughs>
1: I don't recognize these other two guys with your Robin McCoy and Buck or something like that. I... They, are they pricey? No, my, we,
5: basically, for me, as long as I get my own room, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm way too old to share a room. So when they start talking about sharing rooms, that's when I pack the bag and go home. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> well, Quit joking no. around here. It's says uh, Scott McCoy, Peter Buck of R.E.M., and uh, Robin Hitchcock. Welcome to uh, Sound Opinions. Glad Thanks you. It's true.
0: Peter, you've never been here, and Scott's never been here. But Robin, I think this is the third or fourth time we've had you on Sound Opinions.
8: Right? Uh, yeah, although not at uh, public radio. I'll exactly, As you previously. said, when,
0: when we just said hello a minute ago, I've... Oh, Jim, I've known you for centuries.
1: <laughs>
8: well, that's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we were trying to figure out. I've given up counting. Robin Hitchcock and the Venus 3, Olay Tarantula, is the what great, great album of your career? Have you, uh, can, do you Can you even count?
8: No, I have no idea. I mean, I imagine it's in the... 20s or 30s by now. Yeah, it has to be.
0: What a great... Once again, you've surprised us. Kind of taken a a turn here and returned to a sound... I've seen a few interviews you've done where you've talked about... It It says, you know, a sound that was always associated with you early on with the soft boys and and, Mm. and for a large part the Egyptians, the chiming guitars. Well, and the harmonies. And Mm -hmm. the harmony vocals.
8: Uh, I mean, because Peter, Bill, Scott and I have known each other in different combinations going back over 20 years... Uh, Peter, Bill, and Scott uh, half of R.E.M. and three quarters of the minus five mm-hmm. and they're now also the Venus three when they're attached <laughs> to Robin Hitchcock <laughs> and Peter and I have been playing together since
5: 85
8: I wanted to get to that.
0: How
5: did you guys first meet? Do you remember? I, you know what? I do remember. we I did an interview and I just mentioned something about the soft boys and Robin was kind of retired at the time the guy goes, I know, I know Robin. I'll mention that you said hello or something and you called me up and kind of we had kind of similar tastes you know it was 1984 or whatever mm-hmm. and it was against the law to like say the band you know or mm-hmm. the birds because yes. it, you either yeah. had to be new romantic or <laughs> punk rock or whatever right so it was still just totally old-fashioned to like guitar rock music and we kind of bonded over that
1: right well, well peter too the you uh working in the record store having a soft boys record and knowing what it was and appreciating it <laughs> That was kind of your first introduction to Robin was, was sure. through that music, right?
5: And one of the, it was one of the funny coincidences. Uh, the B-52s were on this label in Atlanta for one single, and then Pylon and the Method actors were on this label, DB. DB signed a deal with Armageddon Records, which had Robin in Europe, and they kind of did a minor league baseball player trade where the Method actors got their record out in England, and Robin's record came out on a basically a local record label that was run by a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So... It was kind of like all of a sudden this, these records were always around. And I could hear them all the time, and it, you know, Scott, where did you figure into this? It was at Irving Plaza, actually. I saw Robin and the Egyptians, but. Um very soon after, my band, the Young Fresh Fellows, opened for Robin and the Egyptians a couple shows in Berkeley and San Francisco. But I was already a huge fan. I was a soft boys fan from working in a record store, you know, the same,
1: yeah. s- same thing, you know? Yeah. you know. That's kind of the way it works. <laughs> a bunch of music geeks in the same, you guys yeah. belong together. You're all <laughs> yeah. like record collectors <laughs> yeah. and fans yeah. first, first and foremost, it well, seems
8: like.
5: Robin doesn't buy records, amazingly enough. <laughs> no, and nor do I listen
8: to music, but I did. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, that, but that would apply to, you know, Robbie Robertson or Bob Dylan or keith richard or somebody in their day that they got involved by being involved in the world of records and the world of records that were slightly difficult to find in some way mm-hmm. i mean yeah. didn't didn't jagger and richard meet because they one of them was on a train with some rare jimmy reed albums or I think, yeah, I think it's singles it's or something stuff, stuff. Yeah. you know that's the last time mick and keith spoke to each other probably yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> they have it, people it, it's now then they know next time they met they had their people bingo so, we were all people who were magnetized by music, and so we became musicians in adult life.
1: Mm-hmm. Robin and Peter have got guitars. Scott is poised at the piano. You guys want to play some music? Yeah, all right. Let's
8: try. You, have you got a vocal mic? Yes. Are you up to doing Olay Tarantula with the piano? Yeah, okay, yeah, let's try this. Okay. <laughs>
4: Out in the trees, old oh, tarantulas got me humming. Mm. Out in the desert, the cacti hold tarantulas cluster in their underground dome. Oh. Can't be pleased, Olay Tarantula. Pumping it in through a spiky black fist. If she don't kiss you, you'll never be kissed, Olay Tarantula.
0: Title track of Robin Hitchcock's new album, Olé Tarantula. Robin Hitchcock's new album with the Venus 3, of which we have two-thirds here. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McCoy and Peter Buck. Why Olé Tarantula, Robin? I mean, I don't, you, know, you mean why the song? Why is the album named after it? Why? why does, what is the concept there? I mean, you always have a good story about what you're writing about. What is that tune about?
8: It's about where babies come from. It's about how people feel about the process of being alive, of being animals. You know, the British are notorious, it's a cliché really, for a sort of fear of sex. It's about that particular window, looking through two opposite windows of yourself. One of them is extremely happy to be an animal and the other one isn't, and... (laughs) Like, do you know Don Martin, the cartoonist in Mad? Do you ever oh, yeah. see those things? Yeah. The guy who'd go, Fadween, and, yeah. and Sfount, and things like that. Classic stuff. Well, you imagine just uh, there's sort of like a long drawing of a cartoon of a room. There's a window at either end of it, and there's a little cartoon figure, like a spy versus spy person mm-hmm. to sort of mirror image people with their fedora hats. and yeah, and they are the two extremes of of the human personality. You know, one one the happy animal, the other the sick god,
5: mm-hmm.
8: and they're sort of trying to reach out. You know, that the arms extend through the windows, and and they, they're hoping to kind of shake hands in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and where the hands shake, the fingers, the f- four fingers, discounting the thumbs, if you like, become the eight legs of the tarantula. Then <laughs> they become furry, and then they grow these little orange rings. And what was once a spider now becomes a hand. Have mm-hmm. you seen the five-fingered beast <laughs> with Peter Lorre, the severed hand, playing the piano? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why on the cover I drew a hand. The hand with I drew, the tarantula. Right, I drew right. a hand but with Tarantula's
5: markings, so
8: I was trying okay. to blend the spider and the hand.
5: So you're saying this all has something to do with Peter Laurie,
3: huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a song about I Peter Laurie. <laughs> <you. Yeah. laughs> well, in fear of sex. Who's, a, isn't who's f- an, another
1: tarantula? Hungarian? Definitely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, what you were getting at earlier, Robin, uh, the conflictedness of being human, and uh, it seems to be that is coming through in your music, the joy of performing, the joy of, of being human, and at the same time, there's this kind of undertow going on that all is not well with the world and there's there's a lot of stuff out there that's really undesirable and it seems to me like you're trying to meld those kind of things in, in the music that you've been making lately. Well, as you say, that's the case. I mean, you, I'm,
8: I'm the last person you need to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, right, sure. <laughs> if, you, if you don't notice that till you pop one of my records on yeah, then yeah. you're in a special place. He's just looking for confirmation um, of his rock critic yeah. theories. <laughs> that's, you know, probably one of the functions of art is to figure out, not exactly to figure out why you should keep living, but art has a sort of, it's like, a, it's like an air freshener or a an air purifier or a recycler, it, it turns sometimes horrific experiences into, or feelings, into objects of beauty. So you're crystallising these fragments of something that's quite sordid that you might be feeding on, you know, your everyday disgusting life and thoughts, mm-hmm. or somebody else's disgusting life that you're having to feed on, most likely. I mean, you know, it's a world of voyeurs, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> revolting. Let's take a closer look. You know, well, I mean, the rubberneckers.
1: Well, when you talk about a song like New York Doll on the new record, it reminds me of that because there's a sort of a tragic story there. Arthur Killer Kane died, you know, suddenly a couple of years ago. And at the same time, there's a sort of an affirmation in that song, sort of a...
8: Well, you have to... Say, <laughs> it, it, that does come from... I wrote that after seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen the movie? Yeah. I don't know. How would you, how would you describe it in a few sentences?
1: Well, it's, a, it's the story of the bass player in the New York Dolls, and uh, after the New York Dolls broke up in the 70s, he basically bottomed a miserable out, life, bottomed yeah. out, and yeah. uh, was uh, two inches away from being a street person, basically, and the New York Dolls reunite, he has this one moment where it all, his life comes back to him again, and then, what is it, two weeks later? Yeah, yeah he dies. He dies. And yeah. in
0: between, there's some Mormon stuff. <laughs> well,
1: he falls through a window
8: and finds Jesus, yeah. does not he? And then he spends, the, you know, a long period of his life as a librarian in in L.A. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like he was a remarkably talented guy. It wasn't like the Sid Barrett story, you mm-hmm. know, sort of, mm. you know, Icarus flies too high and winds up in the dumpster or whatever. It was more that Arthur Killer Kane did a lot of damage to himself. And that's what's so moving about the film is that there's just this feeling of this life that was there, not an incredible, unusual life, mm-hmm. you know, not a life that you'd go, "Wow, look at that guy, just someone who's had some good luck and some bad luck." and you you really find yourself feeling for him, and then you suddenly find he's gone, and that's what really got me to write the song was the idea that you only realize how important somebody is after they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm.
4: I was in.
1: Sid, Sid Barrett earlier, uh, Robin, and I feel like it's almost like the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the room. We have to address Sid, and uh, obviously he passed over the summer. He was a big influence on you. Obviously, you've talked about him many times. Um, did anything surprise you about the way you may have reacted to the news of his death? Did it surprise you? Did it make you sad? I mean, how did you feel about it when, it, when, when you heard the news that Sid had passed?
8: Well, I think he passed in 1970, but his, his physical body disappeared this summer. So there was a, just a sort of tumult of, uh, you know, just you saying about Peter being a rock critic, you know, me being a, a, a talking head on the mm-hmm. on the Barrett topic. I mean, first I would say just if you haven't ever heard the records, hear the records. I think they're brilliant. To me, Barrett is up there with the Beatles and Dylan. But, you know, for whatever reasons, he, he ceased to exist effectively about 35 years ago. He wouldn't even answer to the name Sid. He was Roger. Mm -hmm. You know, he was definitely a a keystone of my career, what what Woody Guthrie was to Bob Dylan, uh, Barrett was to me. And and, um, the fact that he then suddenly... You know, the most dramatic, the most emphatic thing he did in 35 years was die. I couldn't, couldn't yeah. believe he'd actually done it. What? Barrett's going <laughs> to die. That's, that's <laughs> such a commitment, you know.
1: Well, yeah. well, well if uh, you had to point somebody you know, to, to him, what piece of music would you direct people to if they if, if you well, understand Sid Barrett? I really like the solo records, actually. It's slightly more than the
8: the one he did with Pink Floyd. Let's try this one, actually, because it's only three chords. We haven't played this, but it's... You're Dominoes, yeah, it's just um, it's, yeah. it's, it's A7D minor and no, it's A7G and D minor. Okay. Hang on, I'll just take it, I'll just run it around a few times and then it, right. it, it just, it's pretty consistent.
4: It's an idea someday. In my tears, my dreams. Don't you want to see a proof? Life that comes of no harm. You and I, you and I, and dominoes. Day goes by. You and I in play. Wasting time on dominoes A day so dark, so warm Life that comes of no harm You and I, you and I and dominoes Time goes by Fireworks and Someday, day a shall a stickle play overheard a lark today oozing when my mind's astray Don't you want to know if a pretty hand stretch out your hand glad fields in an echo far away? Don't you want to see a proof Life that comes of knowledge
0: Domino, Sid Barrett. <laughs> There's wow. a tribute. Yeah, it stands. It stands. It's an idea someday. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We'll be back in a minute with more of our guests, Robin Hitchcock, Peter Buck, and Scott McCoy. Life that comes
4: of no heart. Wasting time on dominoes. A day so dark, so warm. Life that comes.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We are talking to Robin Hitchcock and two of the members of his band, The Venus Three, Peter Buck and Scott McCoy. Of course, we had to ask what Mr. Buck and McCoy are up to with R.E.M.
5: Um, you know, I've, I've written a bunch of stuff and the other guys have tapes of it and they're listening to it. And I think that Mike and I are going to get together with Scott and Bill Riefland in Seattle and knock out some stuff and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, It's kind of all guitar stuff, kind of loud and fast trying to convince them that we don't need to spend a lifetime in the studio. I mean, that's been my problem with the process. But I think that's, it could be a really cool situation. So, mm. you know,
0: Peter. I th- uh, turning around that song about the Iraq invasion was, and, and doing yeah. it so quickly. And, no, but we know, played no, Final it, Straw. Final, yes. Final yeah. Straw. Straw. I mean, we I played saw. it on the show two or three times. And, I mean, that was. it seemed like that's what you're talking about. You know, like How quickly did you knock that out and just but suddenly we, was there?
5: I, it's funny because that piece of music from Final Straw, I actually wrote it and demoed it. At the very end of Automatic for the People, and I, but I was using it as a, a warm-up thing for when I'm doing something that's difficult. It's really fast. So I go down and play for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. He kind of said, "Gee, that's that's pretty good. What is it?" So well, I don't know. It's this thing I've had around. He said, well, "Why don't you tape it?" So and it was like the week before the bombs dropped. You know, and, yeah. and uh, for the next like 24 hours, I heard it drifting down the stairs over and over. It stopped, start, stop, start. And he sang it. And mm. he said, "Let's put it up on, on the web right now."
4: I can't believe where circumstances told me And I turned my head away If I look, I'm not sure that I could face you Not again Not today Not today
0: with the IRS DVD and best of collection coming out, the best of the IRS years, is there is there any, you know, Bill did some stuff, Bill Berry did some stuff recently, and there's a, a little bit of looking back going on there, at least among fans. People were reveling in yeah. seeing all those old videos again. You know, any thoughts of R.E.M. looking back at that stuff?
5: Well, you know, it's it's all in our DNA. I mean, I'm sure that my children can pick up a guitar and play sitting still. You know, I mean, just, you know, it's been passed down. But um, I do – it's funny because Michael called me and he goes, yeah, you know, I, I've been listening to all the, the masters of the, the, the that IRS stuff. He goes, it's pretty good. I said, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> he, were, it was a good band. And, and, he, and he goes, yeah, you know, I like that kind of jangly stuff. We haven't done that recently. I said, no. <laughs> We really haven't, haven't we? And he goes, well, if you want to do some jangling stuff, that'd be cool. And I was like, you know, whatever.
0: You <laughs> can go back to mumbling or murmuring instead yeah. of uh, singing. Well, and.
5: you know, it's just, uh, you know, when you do it this for a long time, it's hard to think about the old stuff because it's, you know, you did it a long time ago, and that doesn't make it invalid, but, you know, you're a different person. But it's nice to go back and think about it and go, yeah, you know, we, we did okay. Yeah. But, you know, when I feel like that we captured what the song was about, then that's pretty much how you do it. And then time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they'll carry on cooking after you've
8: taken them out of the oven, kind of thing. But mostly mm. they are actually <laughs> already set. Yeah. yeah they the other are thing is that perverse. old songs are what resonate. So I know if people come and see us, what they're going to like most is the stuff from 2025 years ago because they've known it the longest.
0: I don't know. I'm like an old A tarantula. it's just fine. <laughs> well, that's very can, nut- can you guys give us another one?
8: We can certainly try uh Rocket Ship Geez, what with a piano? (laughs) Do you think you can play the piano on it? I'll give it a try. Unless I play the piano on it. Um, One, two, three, four.
4: Attention rocket ship. Inside a head parade. A message from the future. You crash upon a star. Tension Rocket Ship me with love I'm coming for you someday As faithful as a mummy Discovered in a crater Hermaphrodite in style You crash upon a star You crash upon a You crash upon a star. You crash upon a star. You crash upon a star. Adventure rocket ship.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Adventure have you ever? Rocket have you ever played that on the piano track. before? <laughs>
0: Uh, No, no, I I haven't. That's awesome, nuts. Uh, Well, we got to let you guys go and soundcheck, but thank you so much, Robin and uh, and Peter and Scott for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank
1: you
3: for being had. (laughs) That's what I like to hear.
1: You are listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And on Sound Opinions, everyone is a critic. Not only Jim DeRigatis and myself, but our listeners as well. We hold that concept dear. Jim and I have already weighed in on the best records of 2006. And boy, did
0: we get letters. Did we get feedback? Did we get we emails? Always do. We Phone don't calls. Mind. We're big boys. We can take it. Our lists are still up on the website, soundopinions.org. And uh, now it's uh, your turn. The listeners, we're going to hear from you, your favorite albums of 2006. Let's go to our first caller, Matt. Uh, Matt emailed us with a list of his favorite albums. You had a lot of good picks, Matt. A lot of old country, drive-by truckers, Drams, this new band Glossary. I especially like what you said about the Rock and Tours. You made the case. Recap that for us, will you?
9: I, I said that I've, I've never, for whatever reason, just never really got into the White Stripes. But the Rock on Tours record really turned me on, and one of the strongest points for that album which also applies to the Glossary album and the Drive by Truckers album is Brevity. Each of those albums has 10 or 11 very good, to great songs, no filler, 35, 40, 45 minutes tops. I've
4: got a rabbit that likes to hop I've got a girl and she likes to shop The other foot looks like it won't drop I had an uncle
9: It's almost kind of silly to think about it this way, but it almost harkens back to the age of LPs when you couldn't really fit more than 45 minutes on an LP without sound degradation or whatever. I've
0: been having this fight with Greg for years. You know, yeah, I know there was technical limitations of an LP. You could only fit about 20, 25 minutes of music on each side. But I think that, you know, the human attention span is sort of of a certain length. There's a reason, (laughs) besides advertising concerns, that sitcoms are like half an hour. You know (laughs) what I mean? I mean, that's about what you take in at a good dose. And in the middle, you know, you got to take a little break, go out and have a smoke or get a beer, make some more popcorn and come back for another half hour.
9: I'd much rather be left wanting more than have every last minute of a 74, 80-minute CD filled with stuff that I don't necessarily want to listen to.
0: I'm with you. I I agree with that. I I like your way of looking at things. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's welcome Jack to Sound Opinions. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on the best of 2006, man? What
3: my favorites are, or what your opinions were.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, so you you disagree with us? I disagreed with... Actually, I I liked
3: most of the things that you had on your best of 2006 list. I thought they were really good. I loved uh, Norris Barkley and the Lily Allen, and I heard the Lily Allen first time on your show.
0: We're doing okay so far. I get the big butt is coming, though. Uh, The big butt for me was the Neil Young album. I just thought it was
3: terrible. I thought it was one of the dullest records of the year.
0: Wow. Do you not like Neil Young in general? Honestly, I'm
3: not a big Neil Young fan. I kind of never really got what the big deal was with, with Neil Young. Then you you played the the Neil Young record and and the one you picked was "Let's Impeach the President," which I I think of all of the songs on that album is probably the worst song on the entire album. So I I mean it it starts out and it da 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 and it's like three notes repeated for the entire whatever it is.
0: Well, no, Neil Young is famous for being able to milk three notes for 15 minutes. You
3: know, that's not really milking. It's watering it down, I think. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Oh, man. It just, it... It's so amazingly dull.
0: Oh, but Jack, I think we've got to take you to see Neil Young live sometime. You know what? And I think that may, the ri- may change of your opinion. Part my opinion towards
3: Neil Young, actually, is because I've seen him live. Oh. I went to see a Dave Matthews show uh, once, and Neil Young opened for, for Dave Matthews. Oh,
0: I was to see and the there. opening
3: <laughs> set was like, was like nine hours long or something. It was like the never-ending set.
1: But Dave Matthews
3: plays oh my for 47 God. That, that hours. That kept
1: Dave Matthews off the stage. I thought he was doing you a favor. Yeah, but, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he,
3: but, he, but his opening, I mean, he was the opening act, and seriously, it must have gone on for like two hours or something
0: like that. As opposed to Leroy's violin solo. Well, <laughs> well yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, we'll forgive you your Dave Matthews okay. laps and your Neil Young uh, okay. <laughs> blind spot. Yep. Uh, but thank you, thank you for listening, Jack. Thanks for your opinions. All right. All right, let's talk to Carl. Hey, Carl, uh, you sent us a great email at... Uh, interact at soundopinions.org really making the case here gave us a top 40 went into depth about what you liked about these albums tell us about some of your favorite recordings of uh, 2006
10: alright I'd say hands down I picked the Decembris record for number one because just start to finish it's like it's just a great album and uh, it's a real revolution for these guys, kind of. I'm with
0: you. I love that record too. Yep. Greg, Greg even liked it. I finally was, made him a December. That was fan. my first uh,
1: December's record that I really, really liked. I agree with you. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Now, uh, I liked what you wrote about your number two record, Carl girl talk do you have it there in front of you or yes i do <laughs> can you read it for us it says uh i wrote little blurbs for my top 40 and i said uh for
0: See, girl- this, this is good he, we're paid to do this yes. he's sitting at home writing blurbs advocating his <laughs> top 40 favorite this albums guy, of the year. i like this guy every everyone's a critic and
1: carl you are in the embodiment of that ideal Thank so you, you
0: winnowed down 40 records out of how many albums you figured you bought last year Maybe double that, maybe more, I don't know. Okay, it's <laughs> that, a dedication. That, no. So what did you say about Girl Talk?
10: I said, uh, perfect for the no-attention-span generation. Also, it
9: kicks
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that record, too, uh, Night Ripper, yeah. Carl. And it's basically 250 samples wedged together really inventively oh, yeah. by this guy Greg Gillis, a DJ in, in Pittsburgh. And obviously you loved it for many of the same reasons I do. It's just a lot of fun.
10: Yeah, I mean, everything moves really, really quickly, but it's also like he gets to the point where it's like, oh, you wish you, he would let that ride for a little bit and you could listen to it more, but then he's like, no, nope, no, we're going to something else right now.
4: I'll be on that straight up on that I'll be on that, I'll be on that
0: You also made the case at number four for a band that uh, that I, I, I couldn't stand when I, I know. saw them.
10: <laughs> Yeah, my number four pick is Man is Man, Man uh, Six Demon Bag. And it's a band um, that is heavily influenced by Zappa and Beefheart. And I know you guys went to the Pitchfork Festival, saw them there, and then ragged on them and went <laughs> and said this is a bunch of hokiness and uh, crazy insanity. And it's like, you critique them the same way that, Jim, you critique... Uh, Tom waits for saying, "Oh, I'm just weird for the sake of being weird."
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Contrived eccentricity.
10: Okay, it, it may be a little uh, eccentric, definitely, but it, I think there's really good songwriting at the at the heart of all their craziness. <laughs>
1: That's what I say about Tom White's doing. Jim doesn't get that either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. all well, right, great, it's, Carl. It's a good good diverse list. If one of us ever is out sick, maybe we can give you a buzz. Oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, awesome. I should say if Greg's ever out sick, <laughs> I'll give you a buzz. <laughs> all right, Carl, thanks. Yeah, definitely. Take care.
10: You too.
1: So the conversation that begins on this show often uh, translates over into the message board, and it is a
0: lively one over there at soundopinions.org. We always welcome your feedback, and we're going to be including a lot more of it on the show. So uh, email us at interact at soundopinions.org, or better yet, leave us a voicemail that we could play on the show, one eight 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 five nine eighteen hundred. 859 1800 Greg, what do we have next week?
1: Next week, we've got a buried treasure show, Jim. Uh, A lot of people say, well, there's nothing new coming out in these doldrum months of January. And, you know, we say pshaw to all that. (laughs) There are great records coming out all the time, under the radar records,
0: records that maybe don't spring into the public consciousness right away, but that we feel deserve more attention. One of our favorite kind of shows we got some thank yous to say on the way out, Greg. Sound Opinions is produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. Mary Gaffney recorded Robin Hitchcock and the boys. We get some legal assistance from Dino Armiros. We're indebted to Jim Russell and the folks at American Public Media for bringing us nationwide. And thank you especially to Tori Southside Malatia, our executive producer, fearless leader, and the little-heralded 17th member of R.E.M. <laughs> 17th member of R.E.M.